0: This is the Church Planning Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Every week we sit down with leaders who are shaping church planning efforts. Here's your hosts, Josh Taransky
1: and Clint Clifton. Hey, welcome to the Church Planting Podcast. My name is Josh Taransky, and I'm joined by Clint Clifton. We are ready to go, roaring to go, ready to talk about church planting.
2: Yeah. What do you think about about my new hat, Josh?
1: Oh, it's incredible. You like Uh, it? Over FaceTime, yeah. Yeah, it looks really good. It looks really good. That's my uh, 14-year-old. He would be really proud of you. That's kind of style, too. Uh, Well, you
2: should take a screenshot and text it to him. I should, Uh,
1: I, uh, yeah, no, it's great. Hey, before we talk about this um, episode, can I ask you a question? I just saw a, a thing come through my news feed mm-hmm. in the last week about a North American Mission Board update. Uh, Kevin Yazelle kind of gave like, these are the three things we're interested in over the next year, collegiate church planting, Hispanic uh, church planting, and um, a big outreach thing. And I looked at that and I thought, man, I'm doing all three of those. Things yeah. Right. Now. I mean, I've got people. That's all all on my radar. So right. uh, tell me, tell me what's going on.
2: Well, yeah, they're uh, they're trying to focus, uh, you know, capitalizing on the the season we're in. Um, and uh, there's been definitely a. Uh, concerted effort. This it, kind of been on the periphery. The the Hispanic work has been growing, and uh, the collegiate work we we've had a a really good run for the last five or six years. And collegiate networks getting founded that are related to the Sin network, like sort of micro networks. Yeah. And so, uh, but with the with the Hispanic stuff, we've got a ton of great Hispanic leaders around the country. But um, our organization hasn't exactly caught up with um resourcing them in the same way we are. Um, sort of uh, Anglo planters or African American planners or whatever so uh so there's a a bit of a line drawn in the sand and hey let's let's turn our focus over to trying to really make sure that if we're producing something, we're uh, making it available in Spanish and take some of our best Hispanic leaders and multipliers and make sure that they're in the conversation just uh, like our other guys are. So it been a lot of energy put on that. And then, you know, of course there's the relief piece is just, there's so much going on these days uh, from a restoration standpoint in churches that churches have never done before. The sort of thing you've been doing for a few years some churches are just warming up to those ideas when they see all these new opportunities in their communities that they hadn't seen before so so yeah um i i appreciate kevin is such a great leader his uh his clarity of focus like i mean i'm just it, i always know where we're going as an organization and he always speaks with um with a ton of clarity both to the staff and to the out uh world so i'm just really gl- grateful that they've you know said these are the things we should focus on and, and turned our attention to them yeah
1: that's excellent and it fits with our guest today this is actually an interview that you did with Dehati lewis we've had to on uh the podcast before but this is a uh, previously recorded interview that you did with it.
2: Yeah, and this is already aired on the Send Network podcast, or it's called We Are Send Network. And so, shout out to the We Are Send Network podcast. You should absolutely be listening to that podcast. It's fantastic. Um, but uh, but it, we did this uh, now, man. I don't know. Maybe it was like it was before COVID, but it was. Uh, an interaction about residencies and now um now my role is since that happened i'm i'm overseeing the residencies department at am and kind of giving direction to that Uh, but this was a conversation a bit more conceptual, philosophical about residencies and kind of my experience at my own church. And man, uh, continually every week I'm getting emails from people. And for the whole time, this thing has been aired people are listening to this and intrigued. So I thought, man, what a cool thing to just put it on our podcast too, just so those who might not have been exposed to it, uh, could, could get the info.
1: Yeah. It's really good stuff. I know I've listened through it and I loved it. I'm a big fan of what you guys are talking about here. I'm glad it's gotten airtime over on um, that podcast, and now um, we get to bring it to our audience. So, should we hear a word from our sponsor first? Sounds go good. The episode. All right, here we go. Hey, this is Josh. What if you could hire an administrative assistant who would process your email, schedule your appointments, and work on projects all while you sleep? This is easier than you think. There are thousands of freelancers who are ready to do this kind of work. They will work remotely and since they're international, you will pay a fraction of what you might pay a US-based employee. Over the years, I've discovered the amazing benefits of using a virtual assistant, and I think this could be something that would benefit you as well. I've created a short class that will teach pastors how to hire, train, and use a virtual assistant. In addition to the class, you'll get access to a super secret Facebook group where you can learn from other pastors who are also using VAs, and they can give you advice. If you would like more information about this class, go to my website, joshteranski.com slash virtual-assistant. And at checkout, use the promo code CPPVA. Again, CPPVA, and you'll get a 25% off discount.
0: Clint, it's good to be with you. Thanks, man man i want to jump right in and talk about residency you are our residency guru you're yoda you're the person who's been doing it and you're the person that like we look to in a lot of ways to help us begin residencies you know one of our core values is that we we value and we want to see multiplying churches and the way we define multiplying churches are discovering developing and deploying church planting teams from within. Yeah. That if we're gonna keep seeing church planters, that we gotta raise them up from within. Yeah. And residencies is one of the key ways that we do that. And yeah. you've been doing it. Talk to me a little bit about the journey of how you've been a part of doing residencies and starting, helping others start residencies. Yeah. Well, the church I started,
2: uh, it's called Pillar. And when we started, of course, the church was really small. I was 23 when I started the church. And so I really, you know, there, there was, we didn't have anything to attract anyone to come learn from us. Mm-hmm. Plus, I didn't know what I was doing at all, you know? So, um, but but we started in the beginning, you know, just, just attempting to equip our regular members with the understanding that we're in a military base, with the understanding that you're gonna be somewhere else soon, mm-hmm. you know, whether you like it or not, you're gonna be gone, and when you are, maybe the Lord will put you in a position where you could be used to start a new church, yeah. and I want you to be equipped if you find yourself in that position. That That's basically where it started yeah. for us. And so I was trying to figure out ways to equip regular members to begin to see themselves as potentially church planters in the future. And even, I mean, those, you know, for most of those guys, that was a long shot, but they were willing to go through that preparation process anyway. And so that's how it started for us.
0: Yeah, I mean, very similar. Like, it's like for me, just when you build in, you you talked about military bases. I started off ministry and college ministry. Yeah, same. Very It's kind of like, you know, I got them for a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. And then they could they're they're gonna literally you literally be deployed, yeah. you know, out. And so you kind of had uh, every member of residency? I mean, how did you decide yeah. that like who would be in the residencies? Mm-hmm. It was just anybody that was willing. How in those early days, what did that look like? Yeah, no, it wasn't wasn't
2: every member at all, but basically my grid was Um, do they meet the biblical qualifications I see in Timothy, Titus, and Peter? And if they do, I don't want to worry if they're called. You know, I think we think about calling in a really strange way. It's really mystical or subjective. And uh, so I wasn't thinking about if they're called. I was just thinking about if they're qualified. Mm. And so when I would see a man in my congregation who was um, pastoral in his household, he loved his family, he shepherded his kids, he was pastoral with the people around him. I saw those shepherding qualities in them. I would just sit down with the dude and say, hey man, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've noticed that you have the, the kind of makeup or the gifting of a pastor. Mm-hmm. I think God might use that in the future to call you to lead a new church or mm-hmm. to, to start a church. If he does, I want you to be ready for that, and I want you to have had some of the experiences that are um, are gonna equip you for that work while you're here. So you're just here for a short time. So I, if, if it's cool with you, I'd like to spend a little bit of time with you and give you some opportunities to preach and teach and do some of those mu- muscle movements that that pastors do so that you have some experience in that, so that God might use that later.
0: So know? were these residencies one-on-one, were they, did you have multiple people doing it yeah. with a cohort format like what yeah what was in the before? beginning they were hundred percent one-on-one so basically
2: i i in terms of content uh, when we were doing this 15 years ago there was there wasn't any content, or the only content was Keller's content, and it was so heady that I couldn't do anything, you yeah. know, I, could, I couldn't even read it, much yeah. less much less use it. Uh, but so um, what we ended up doing was I wrote individual articles to the particular church planter, so I would prepare like I was preparing for a sermon with the individual needs that I knew those guys had, their mm-hmm. weaknesses, the things, the life-dominating sins that I Felt like they needed to overcome the things about missiology and the gospel that I felt like they needed to understand, and so I would, with a guy in mind, you know, I have got Brian O'Day in mind or Roy Garza in mind. I would sit down in preparation for that meeting and write out thoughts for them, and then just go and meet with them and walk. Through how myself. long did you do it that way? Like one on one, kind of format? Yeah, at least six years or seven years. Yeah, really? that was how it, it, the whole thing was. And in fact, um, uh, I ended up compiling a book called Church Planning Thresholds, and that book is just those articles organized, you know. Mm-hmm. So it ended up being about 40 articles that I had written, you know, to individual church planters. And then we went through on the back end and said, okay, how do we uh, depersonalize this a little bit so it's not about this guy or that guy, mm-hmm. but we take the principles out of it and, and hone it down. So we that's that's how the book came about.
0: So six, seven years, how long, how many guys? Yeah. How many guys were was- Yeah, so our church is
2: uh, just about to have our 15th um, birthday, and uh, we've started 16 churches over those years. And then those churches have multiplied. I think we have a total of 28 in our family of churches. So those churches we've planted have planted almost as many as we have as churches. That's been really exciting. And I
0: love the fact that you said, like, qualified. We let God worry about the calling, are yeah. you qualified and let yeah. me pour into the to the qualified?
2: I think if there's one thing I'd say to pastors who want to multiply their churches that um, don't know where to start, it's, it's exactly that. Do, do not worry about calling. Calling works itself out, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, calling works itself out often in opportunity and circumstance. So if a person goes from, you know, point A where they're being equipped and poured into, to point b and they find themselves in a place where there are no churches around them and there's no gospel happening no gospel ministry happening the lord can use that circumstance to begin to to draw out a desire and aspiration you know at the beginning of timothy uh he talks about aspiration and desire Uh, you know those things are born sometimes in circumstance so i just say like do the equipping don't you pour in don't worry about the output
0: yeah i mean do you have like a percentage of how many people like you poured into like Man, I poured into 30 people yeah. and 10 of them are pastors. I poured into 30 and all 30 are like, I mean, is there.
2: It seems like I should answer that question by saying, yeah, it's about half or less. It's not, though. It's yeah. almost all of them. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. I look back, the guys that I did that with, they're all pastors right now. Mm. And um, it's, it's amazing. <clears throat> One of the other things that's interesting to me is the way the conversation begins is critical. We, as pastors, we're usually expecting someone to come to us and say hey pastor i feel god calling me to start a church or to be a pastor what do i do and then we respond that's not the way it's supposed to work though in my in my view Uh, as a pastor of a person i can go to them and say you know hey dahadi i've noticed you're shepherding your family well you're evangelizing your neighbors you're bringing friends to church you're a great small group leader you're shepherding those people really well Those are the qualities I've seen God use to make a great pastor. Mm -hmm. Those are the raw materials that I think God could use to make a great pastor. I don't know if God's calling you to that or not. I have no idea. But I know that if you ever wanted that, if you had the aspiration like Timothy says here, uh, your pastor, me, would be
0: eager to help prepare you and give you opportunities to preach and teach and learn and grow. I'm loving this. I'm loving this. Tell me this. (laughs) When did you go from one-on-one to... Yeah, group.
2: Group. At, at the church I planted, we haven't made that transition, and probably won't make that transition. I really believe in the one-on-one thing. Yeah. Um, now, um, in in recent years, uh, as you as you said, uh, churches have been contacting me saying, "How do you do this?" And I've been going to help much much larger, much more um, resource-heavy churches uh, uh, begin residencies, and of course. Uh, most of those churches have a personality associated with them—a a senior pastor or somebody on their staff that people want to learn from, and so there's there's an attraction uh, to them. And uh, in, in situations like that, you know, it's it's a little bit of a different setup, but but we have done sort of cohort style, and it, it can work too. I think the key is the the pa- the uh, the curriculum. You know, like what are you going to use? Sin Network's done a great job p- compiling some stuff. We got the the pipeline uh, stuff, and we've got Sin Network training. Those are fantastic. But before those existed, uh, several churches that I was working with were using thresholds. The material we used in our church, they just did it in more of a group setting. Um, other, like I mentioned, Keller's material has been used. There there There's several other churches that have developed, at this point, have developed pretty good residency material. But I think the key is the foundation of all of that is a syllabus, because really, we don't just want head. We want hands, heart, head, right, Right. in that equipping. So I want to think about how I'm going to, you know, intellectually stimulate them and help them grow theologically and methodologically in all those ways. But I also want to stimulate their heart. I want to inspire them. I I want to um, stoke the the flames of passion for Christ and fervor for Christ in them. Uh, And I want them to have experiences. So in in our residency and in the residencies that I've helped start, we, we have a list of experiences that we want them to have. We want them to have the experience of, of sitting with someone who's dying. We want them to have the experience of of, uh, preparing a sermon and delivering it and that sermon being debriefed. We want them to have the experience of leading somebody to Jesus. We want them to have an experience of starting a small group from scratch without anybody from their church involved in it.
0: You know, so those just seem like some fundamental experiences we want them to have. Do you differentiate between someone you're discipling as a leader and someone who you're you're doing a residency with if so, what are the differentiations? Or is this kind of anybody that you're doing one-on-one, it's primarily, it is the residency. Yeah. And that's how you just kind of, you know, yeah. select you.
2: I found value system. in focusing on a specific thing rather than a general thing. So I'm training future church planters okay. in my mind. Okay. Now, I don't know what they're going to become. Again, that's focusing right. on the input, not the output. Right. I, I don't know what they're going to become, but I'm equipping everyone I'm discipling toward me, right. planting a new church. Yeah. And many of the people that I'm working with will, would say to me, I'm not gonna plant a church. I'm not, I don't think I'm gifted for that. I don't think I'm called mm-hmm. to that. That's fine, but I'm preparing you for that. Right. If you're gonna sit and listen, that's what we're talking about. Right. No, <laughs> Be- because I can't hit multiple targets at the same right. time. Right. And I've found that more often than not, if I train somebody for a specific thing, they end up doing that. This is, this is it's so interesting to me. When I, beca- I became a Christian on a Thursday when I was 15 years old, okay, at a, mm-hmm. at a youth camp. And um, that Sunday, I went to my church, my new church that I had gone to the youth camp with, and I, you know, walked the aisle and said, "I'm a Christian now." That Sunday night, I was giving my testimony before the congregation, and after church that Sunday night, my, my new pastor said to me, "You need to come tomorrow morning before school. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna I'm gonna start discipling you." I didn't really know what mm-hmm. discipling was. I'm 15, you know. I show up and. Um, Early in the morning before school, and he starts equipping me, and he gives me a book called "Called and Accountable" by Henry Blackaby, and it, I now know that it's a book f- uh, that's used to prepare f- pastors. Yeah. Uh, so I'm a Christian for four days, and he gives me and, and he starts discipling me toward pastoral ministry. at yeah. My fourth day as a Christian, yeah. when I was 15 years old, and I didn't know any better. Yeah. I didn't even know what he was doing. Yeah. And I look back on that now, and I'm like, he's nuts. Yeah. But he told me in those first meetings what I was going to do with the rest of my life, and I'm doing it. I'm yeah. doing it right now. Yeah. I've been yeah. doing it every day. I wake up every morning thinking about multiplying churches. I go to bed every night thinking about multiplying churches. And I, I I can't disconnect the fact that he did that with me from the reality of what I'm doing right now. And I think we underestimate a lot just the space. The what it, how powerful it can be to believe in somebody and specifically say, I'm going to equip you and prepare you for this thing and not worry with, do you want to do it? Or do you feel called? I feel like all that that calling language just muddies the water and it makes everybody kind of look inside themselves for something. Just, you know, just give people you're discipling something to go do. They may not do it. It doesn't matter, but give them
0: something to do. Yeah. You know? Do you have a certain limit, how many guys you you do individually? Yeah. Per year,
2: uh, yeah. At our church, we've never done more than like two or three a year. But that residency is the ramp up to, to the actually church planting. So, mm-hmm. so we're we're pretty sure by the time they get to that point that at, at now now this wasn't true in the beginning, but now we're pretty sure that they're actually going to plant. So we're just kind of taking them on that 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 journey. I,
0: I love what you're talking about. I mean, the idea of like. Every potential member, it seems like most residency is more so recruiting, like get a personality type, draw them in. It's more attractional based. How would you say is the difference as people who are more like that? Like, I don't have the platform. I don't have, but I have this desire. How would you encourage them to, that, that desire to start a residency? Yeah. Well, I would say the
2: best thing that ever happened to me is I didn't have a platform when I started this because it forced me to look inside my congregation for potential church planners. I think the easy path, you know, it's not easy, but the easier path mm-hmm. is having a magnet that that draws people. Right now I'm working with McLean Bible and I'm running their residency. Uh, David Platts there is the yeah. pastor. Of course, there's, young guys lined up to go serve there and and work with just for the hope that they'd get 10 minutes in a room with him and learn about preaching and get some of you know some of what he's got uh and uh, but the 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 reality is um if i can if i can go to somebody and really what it comes down to is i want I want people to receive their calling to pastoral work or the sureness that God's calling them to do this. I want them to receive that in my church, yeah. under my ministry. Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, when they do that, then then I, I and I have a personal discipling relationship with right. them. I mean, those guys who are out there that I originally sat down with and said, "I think God." Would, you know, I want to equip you and prepare you. And now they're out there pastoring mm. and planting churches. Uh, those guys, when they have a need or a concern or a trouble, they contact me. Yeah. I mean, we're,
0: it's like we're, we're built a lifelong yeah. friendship, a lifelong relationship. Yeah. And yeah, that's just a bond that is, it's hard to build with just kind of doing out a personality and being able to draw. Yeah. Let me, you know, so there's all different types of people. There's all different types of residencies. You've been a part of helping a lot of people start residencies what are some things that people need to consider? Yeah. You know, in starting a residency. Well, you know, what, what would you, first of all, I'd say, um, you don't do it in the beginning
2: without any money. So if you expect me to say, well, you need this much money to get started, I think you'll do it better if you start it, uh, without money. Uh, so don't pay your residents. Um, and don't, make it expensive, you know, don't just do it simply first. Uh, I love GK. So go get a job, tell them to go get a job. Yeah, sure. I mean, well, the guys in your church have jobs, yeah. right? So just train the guys in your church that already have jobs. Okay. Uh, so uh, I love GK Chesterton on this subject. He says um, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly at first. Mm-hmm. And I think that's brilliant because I mean, his argument really is, is not that we should do things poorly. But that some things are ours to do. It's not to be given away to somebody else. So, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, a mom and dad. It's their job to parent their kids. Even if somebody could parent better, you don't give it away. It's your job. So even if you do it poorly at first, you got to do it because the doing it helps you get better and better and better. And every, every cycle, you're going to get a little bit better. You're going to learn a little bit more. And so I just think we've been doing this now 15 years, and do I do it better than I did 15 years ago? Holy smokes, yeah, of course. We do it way better. Um, but am I, do I regret what we did in the beginning? No, because every time we did something, every planter we failed with or messed up with or did something wrong with, was a step in the process of us becoming equipped to do it
0: really yeah. well, so. What are some of the most commonly asked questions as people that you're consulting with yeah. that are doing residency? Like, I've, I've got a residency up and going, man, I'm thinking through, I need to hit the restart button, and they ask you this question. Like, what are some yeah. of the most common questions? Yeah, the biggest
2: concern that people have is that they're not gonna have the right um, substance when people get there. Like, yeah. what do I teach? Yeah. So NAMS tried to answer that question with, with pipeline material and s awesome. Uh, but I would just say every pastor has something to teach. You know, even, even if you've not planted the church you're in, you've learned lessons about pastoral ministry. So I would say um, a syllabus is a great place to start. Rather than thinking about a curriculum, think about a syllabus. So think about the books that have most impacted you in ministry and the uh, the, the kind of videos and just everything. I, I our, our residency literally is just this hodgepodge of articles and even photographs I've taken of of charts and things over the years that have made an impact on me and that I really believe in deeply or that resonate with me deeply. Um, Things from as practical as like how to schedule out my week to as theological as how to study the word when I'm preparing a sermon. All those things are kind of thrown in there and they're categorized and I walk through all that stuff. And I just want to give somebody, you know, like when I I was growing up, my grandfather gave me his toolbox and it was a homemade toolbox and it had like old used tools in it. Well, that's way more precious to me than if somebody gave me a, you know, a brand new Snap-on, you know, big thing no. with a bunch of tools in it, no. It's because it's personal. And so I want to give them the stuff that, that's
0: mine. You so know? You're, what I'm hearing, you say you start with you. Because a yeah. lot of times we try to say, okay, what do they need? Yeah. You're saying, no, what did I need? Yeah. What was most formative to me? And let me just share that right. with you. Basically sharing your life Absolutely. with them. Yeah. And, yeah. and again, I want to make sure it's hands, heart,
2: and head. I think I think what tends to happen in residencies is they're either head uh, or their hands. Hands would be like, just do what I do, watch me, follow me, you know, mimic me. Um, and then, then head would be like, read these books, write these reflection papers. And I think, I think those are valuable, but but they're really valuable altogether because you know, pastoral ministry is a holistic
0: thing, you know. Yeah, I love it. So if people want to get more information, you know, about residencies, I know we have them on our website, you know, about like, we're going to be having like where to find residencies, yeah. a lot more information, some stuff that you're going to be, you know, helping us out yeah. with. I mean, but like, where would you send them to? Yeah. Um, you know,
2: Finding churches that are doing it well from within, so smaller churches who have been doing residencies for a longer time. I mean, I think of churches in my region that are doing that. Learning from a pastor who's doing it and has been doing it for a long time is 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 great. I even think, you know, in our city, we have uh, Capitol Hill and Mark Dever. His is very much a head residency. You know, they're observing the church, but they're, they're learning and reading and writing. But over 20 years of doing this, they've produced you know, a hundred or more pastors right. that many of them are working in our region. They've, they have, in a very tangible way, changed the city, affected yeah. the city in a very, very real way just because of consistently churning out every six months. Uh, a set of residents, and so I just think get with a pastor who's been doing it for a long time, learn from them, find somebody you respect, and go learn from them, but there are places I have a syllabus you can email me and I can send you a a syllabus, it's like a baseline syllabus that you can take that and go in and change it. Of course Nam has things like that, even some of the state conventions are developing that stuff now. I'm super excited about all the people
0: that are pitching into this now. It's awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it. That's why you're Yoda.
2: (laughs) Hey, are you a pastor that wants to lead your church to reproduce? Well, I've got something for you. It's called Church Planting Thresholds. Church Planting Thresholds is a simple step-by-step gospel-centered guide that will help you guide someone from your congregation to lead a church planting team out somewhere else. Many pastors tell me that they don't have the expertise, they don't have the money, they don't have the resources they need to start a new church. Well, I don't think that's true. The only resource you need to start a new church is a ready leader. So even if your church is very small and you don't have a lot of resources at your disposal, if you can disciple a man to lead a team of people out from your church to start another new church, then you have all that you need to reproduce. Church Planning Thresholds will help you do it. Church Planning Thresholds is available in English and in Spanish. It's even available as an audiobook. You can find
0: it at Amazon or on audible.com. Thank you for listening to the Church Planting Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast
1: app. Today's episode of the Church Planting Podcast is sponsored by New City Network, the church planting ministry of McLean Bible. A special thanks to today's guest. Josh Taransky produced today's show. Nick Bashane was our editor. Thanks to Hudson Taransky, who provided administrative and web support for the program. And last... But not least, thanks to you for listening all the way through to the very end of the Church Planting Podcast. If you'd like more information about our show, feel free to visit our website at www.churchplantingpodcast.org. There you can find all of our past episodes, as well as notes and links from today's show. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, so be sure to check us out on the social. And tune in next week for another episode of the Church Planting Podcast.